This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Today we are kicking off a new series. It's a series that we call Relentless. And I love this graphic because I love the subtitle of this series. Refusing to press stop on God's vision when life gets glitchy. Now some of you don't remember things that got glitchy, but there are some of us that are a little bit older that do. How many of y'all remember having a VCR? We don't even use VCRs anymore. Y'all remember when like your favorite movie was in the VCR and all of a sudden the VCR started eating it? Do you remember that level of panic that you felt inside your heart when that happened? Let's go back, let's go back to the Nintendo. Y'all remember when your Nintendo game used to get glitchy? You pull that cartridge out, and what would you do? Blow on that thing. <laughs> Stick it right back in and go back to working, wouldn't it? For those of you who are maybe a little bit younger and don't remember, you, do, maybe you remember having a CD, and you would be playing a CD, and all of a sudden it would sound a little bit like a remix because it would start skipping, Right? Some of y'all don't even remember that, and if you don't, we have a kid service right down the hall. <laughs> oh, man. That's what we get started today. I just want to talk about what, what do we do when life gets glitchy? What do we do? And, and to start that, I really have to talk about life first. I have to talk about life because it's important to understand life and how it works and I think the first thing that I want you to see this morning is number one in your notes, and that's life is sustained by vision. Life is sustained by vision. A lot of times we think that life is sustained by what we acquire, what we can get. And and maybe on on a biological level it is. I need to get some food, I need air, I need shelter. But I I want you to see that, that life, real life, is sustained by vision. I love Proverbs 29, verse 18, out of the old King James Version, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he who keeps the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, we're, we're, we're not perceiving in life what, what God is doing and where he's leading us and, 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 and what this season of life is, is giving us incremental steps towards going towards. When there is no vision, we perish. Let me just paraphrase that for you. Without vision, we die. Without vision, we die. And some of you have, have seen this happen. Where some people maybe have hidden moments in their lives that they were they were they planned for. They wanted to get to a level of comfort, and all of a sudden they attain that level, and all and they back off of pursuing things, and all of a sudden there's no vision. And what happens? Life starts to fade away. See, see, life is is more than than breathing. It's, it's more than just breathing air and going to sleep and having some food and trying to pull that off again one more day. 
the Greek word, when Jesus said that I came that you might have a life and have it to its fullest, the Greek word that he uses in, in the text is, is zoe. And the, zoe doesn't mean just, just life that we breathe. Zoe is this idea that life is bigger than that. Which is why sometimes you're around people and they walk out of the room and you're like, they're so full of life. They're so full of life. Because life isn't just that. As believers, we believe that right now, God has invited us into eternal life, which transcends death, that begins today. But life, that life, is sustained by vision. Vision's tricky, number two. Vision never works the way we think it will. It never works out like we think it's going to work out. Right now, a lot of you have vision for the new year, right? I want to strengthen some relationships. I'd like to start winning financially, maybe. That's like, I'd like to spiritually, I'd like to deepen my relationship with God. But you know, it just never works out that way. I've been around so many people, even me, that have heard the, the Lord speak into our lives and into our hearts and give us direction for our lives. But, but it never ends out work, working the way that we thought it would. Too many times we're, we're the rock stars of our own dreams. And it doesn't quite always turn out that way. Because I believe that sometimes we hear what we want to hear. We hear what we want to hear. Maybe, maybe God's called you to serve, but you keep saying, no, no, God, God, I, I'll serve when I can be the leader. Sometimes we hear what we want to hear. And in, in the scriptures, vi vision just never seemed to work out like people thought it would. God spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, look up in the sky. As many stars are in the sky, you have not been able to have a son. As many stars as there are, as you see, you will have that many sons. And Abraham waited for decades to have a son. And eventually he had one son. Not that many, just one. See, God wasn't speaking about something that's going to happen immediately. He was talking about an inheritance that would last forever. God spoke to Moses and said, Moses, in a burning bush, I want you to go back to your homeland. I know you were raised in the house of Pharaoh, and I want you to go back to Egypt, and I want you to speak to Pharaoh, and I want you to bring freedom to my people that have been enslaved in Egypt. And it would be logical for Moses to think, I'm going to walk in there, I have a relationship with these people. He's going to listen to me, and then we're going to be dismissed. But it didn't work out that way. It was hard. There were trials. There were threats of death. Peter, who gave up literally everything, walked away from his family, his business, to follow Jesus. Even up to the last moment when Jesus is being arrested, he seems to have it confused as to who Jesus is. As he pulls out his sword and tries to defend Jesus, when Jesus is positioning himself to lay down his life. And even think about Jesus, the one who came as the Messiah to his people. John 1 says he came to them, but they didn't recognize him. Why? Because the vision didn't look like it really was going to look in their hearts and minds. 
See, along the way in vision, life is always going to have glitches. Life is always going to have glitches. You're going to experience this. I'm going to experience this. See, that, that plan and roadmap that we make at the very beginning of the journey, when we feel like we've received some vision, it never tends to work out like we think it would. So number three is really important. How we respond to life's glitches sets up success. How do you respond when life goes off plan? How do you respond when life is not going according to your script? Because the way that you respond when life gets glitchy is what sets up further success. Oh, I love Galatians 6, 9. I think some of us this year, as we embark on maybe a new journey, we need to hear this. It's not something that we often, we often don't like this, but we need to hear it. Let us not get tired of doing what is good. For at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If we don't give up. See, so many times when life gets glitchy, we are tempted to press stop on God's vision. But you will reap a harvest of righteousness and peace if you refuse to give up. When we face those glitchy moments in life, we face the moment when life just goes off script, it goes off plan. This is not what I envisioned. This is not how I thought this was going to go. When we face those moments, I want you to see something today. I want you to see this as we talk about a relentless pursuit of God's vision for our lives, that there is good in the glitch. There is good in the glitch. If God is the God that he tells us he is, the God that is working all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes, when we're living in our calling and pursuing his purposes for our life, everything that happens is for your good. There is good in the glitch. And it's probably most illustrated in the life of a young man named Joseph. Joseph shows us that there is good in the glitch. Just to set up some background so you know who Joseph was. Abraham, the very beginning of this redemptive story, had a son, Isaac. Isaac had a few sons, Jacob. And then Jacob had a bunch of sons. And Joseph was one of those. Now, Jacob liked, apparently, Joseph a little bit better than the rest of his kids. Now, if you're a parent in here, you probably already know this. Every parent has a favorite kid, okay? You're just not supposed to let everybody else know who your favorite kid is. It's just that, that's kind of a baseline parenting rule, all right? But, but Jacob couldn't pull that off. He, he doted on Joseph. He bought him clothes that were... It, it, evidently more expensive than the clothes given to us. And, and he seemed to kind of empower him a little bit more, maybe protect him a little bit more. So we come in contact with Joseph first in Genesis 37, 
beginning in verse 5 through 11. And in that, we, we see that there are two dreams that Joseph has, and he, he shares them. The, the first dream that he has is he says, he goes to his brother and says, I had this dream. All of us were out in the, in the field, and we were collecting wheat, and as we were getting wheat together, we kind of, uh, all of a sudden, my wheat grew very tall, and your wheat all around began to bow down. This is kind of an artist's rendering of what that would have looked like. And he shares it. He doesn't make any interpretation. And, and if you're, you're a believer and you study the scriptures, it's so interesting because it's the first dream recorded in scripture that God's voice doesn't speak through. It's the first time God's leaving it up to kind of, y'all figure out what this means. And Joseph makes, makes no commentary, but his brothers get very upset because they infer that he's saying, you had that dream, so you're saying we're going to bow down to you? There's no way in the world that's not going to happen. And apparently Joseph wasn't very smart because a few days later he has another dream. And this time he's a star, and there are 11 stars. He had 11 brothers, and then the, the 11 stars and the sun and the moon bowed down to him. This is what that would have looked like. So he has this dream, and he goes, and he shares this with his family. And his dad is a little bit perturbed. Are you saying, I'm going to bow down to you? And again, Joseph makes no commentary on this. He doesn't say what it means, but they start to infer what it means. And his brothers now are, are very angry at this idea that this spoiled little kid that my dad apparently loves more than the rest of us is telling us that one day we're all going to bow down to him. So the brothers leave, and they go off to work, and it's really not like they went out like next door. They, they're, they're about 75 miles away. You can imagine Jacob the dad. His, his intentionality is so probably good. He's probably trying to position Joseph to go make amends with them. He sends them off. Hey, would you go check on your brothers? They're working in the field. This would have been several days' worth of travel. And, and then the Scriptures tell us this. Scriptures tell us, that as they were, they were working, they, they saw him in the distance. Genesis 37, verse 18. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Now, I, I don't, I'm going to be honest with you. I have a sister, and she's annoyed me before. I mean, like, if you have a brother or sister, you understand what I mean. She's gotten on my nerves. I've never plotted to kill her, ever. Like, never. It's never got that bad. Okay? But it got that bad for them. And they're watching Joseph come up in that long caravan to their place where they've been working. And in their hearts, they make plans to kill him. But then he gets there. And I guess maybe somehow there's some guilty consciences and maybe, maybe there's, there's some, some kind of reason that begins to speak and instead of killing him, they sell him into slavery. They sell him into slavery. I, I want you to see something about Joseph and the vision that he had. Number one in your notes today. Vision always provokes our stories. Vision always provokes our stories. The stories that we're living right now are, are provoked because of the vision that we have for ourselves. The vision that we've received, adopted, 
See, I think that some of us need to understand that maybe in the past we haven't lived out the best story, and we need to know that it's because we didn't have the best vision. Because our vision provokes our story. See, the vision that Joseph had unknowingly begins to provoke a story that's going to show us that there is good in the glitch. There is good in the glitch. And in the life of Joseph, we see how to navigate when life gets glitchy. I want you to see, so, so Joseph goes down and, and, he's, and he's sold into slavery in Egypt. And, and you're going to see this, number two, in your notes today. Don't sacrifice the, no, don't sacrifice the ultimate for the temporary. Don't sacrifice the ultimate for the temporary. Let me set this story up. So Joseph is a, a, a slave that is sold to one of the, the richest men, most powerful men in Egypt. His name is Potiphar. He, he was the guy who was over the king's guard. And so he would have had a lot of influence and power and authority. And so Joseph becomes a slave. All of a sudden, he starts doing so good, Potiphar kind of puts him in charge of his whole house. But there's something that kind of twists this story around. And that's that Potiphar's wife takes an interest sexually in Joseph. Apparently, he was a very attractive young man. And that seems way off base for us in the 21st century. But, but the truth is, is that back when this story is being told, slaves were not only objects that were employed in your household to fulfill uh, tasks that would be household tasks. They would literally be there to do whatever you wanted them to do. So what she's wanting would not have been out of bounds for their culture, but it was for Joseph. And so there's tension that enters the story. And in Genesis 39, verse 12, he's faced with this moment where she's made an advance at him. And he's trying to figure out, what am I going to do? And the scripture tells us, but he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to think, he left her, his cloak in her, and these are, this is clothes, okay? He's going he's gonna to run away, deny the advance of this powerful woman. Don't, don't sacrifice the ultimate for the temporary. See, what happened is in that moment, you want to know what happened? He was tempted. How did, how did she get a hold of his clothes? I'm going to tell you right now, nobody getting a hold of my clothes unless I want them to get a hold of my clothes. Right? He was tempted. He was tempted. And in that moment of temptation, he woke up, and before anything had happened, he ran out the door. Now, this is big because I want you to see this, that when life gets glitchy, you will be tempted to trade in your vision. When life gets glitchy, you will be tempted to trade in your vision. When life gets hard, you will be tempted to trade in what you feel like God has called you to do for something that is more comfortable, something that's easy, something that's convenient. But it won't be what you started out saying, this is what God wanted me to do. You'll be tempted to trade in your vision. And that happened to Joseph, but he denied that temptation. As he runs out of the house, 
Potiphar's wife begins to scream and cry that he had attempted to rape her and in a way to get back to, to Joseph. Potiphar comes home, takes him. There is no trial. There is no proof of burden. He just takes her and throws, uh, takes him and throws him into prison. And something happens when Joseph goes to prison. Something that you wouldn't think. And I want you to see this. This is number three in the section of your notes today. That faithfulness to the present opportunity unlocks the good in the glitch. Faithfulness to your present opportunity unlocks the good in the glitch. Joseph, every time in this story, he hits a glitch. Joseph doubles down on his faithfulness every single time. Instead, instead of saying, God, you're, this isn't working, it's, I can't do this anymore, every time it gets difficult, he doubles down on being more faithful. It happened when he went into Potiphar's house. He, and, and, and because of that, Potiphar put him in charge of his entire household. He became so good at managing and serving Potiphar that Potiphar said, I need this man to do it. And the same thing happens when he's thrown into prison. Joseph doubles down now on his faithfulness. And this is what happened. The warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison. Joseph doubled down on his faithfulness because every glitch in life is an opportunity to remain faithful. It's an opportunity to remain faithful. God has given us the potential, even in the midst of great challenge, when life gets glitchy, to not abandon his vision, but to lean into what God's doing in us and to believe that there is good in the glitch. Faithfulness to the present opportunity unlocks the good in the glitch. I I feel just led to say this. There are some of you, there are some of you that, that have sensed a calling on your life. And you keep saying, I'll do it when. I'll do it when. In, in, the, in the future, when all the stars align and, and, and it finally starts to make sense and I have the platform I think I deserve, then. No, faithfulness to the present opportunity. One day, Joseph is going to command almost all of Egypt, but he was faithful when he was in prison. Are you being faithful where you're at right now? Are you being faithful where you're at right now? Number four. Number four. When we refuse to press stop, God's vision for us will come to life. Now, listen. Joseph is thrown in prison. There are two people in prison. There's a cupbearer that used to work for the king. This would have been a very trusted position. The cupbearer would have tasted all the wine and drink that would have went to the king. It was an effort to keep any sort of poison or any sort of delusion coming to the king. And, and then the baker is in there as well. The baker, same kind of potential. The baker is there to filter out all of those things. And so there's these two people that are there, the baker and the cupbearer. And they both have dreams. They both have dreams that that they're a little bit confused about. Joseph interprets those dreams. He interprets them. 
And he says to the baker, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but I believe you're going to die. And then, <laughs> that's, that's bad news, ain't it? That'd be tough to deliver to somebody. But he says to the cupbearer, I think you have good news. Uh, you're going to return to service in the king. When you, when, when you do that, will you please not, don't forget me here in prison when you get in, in, in the court of Pharaoh. And you know what's interesting at the end of that chapter? Both of those things come true. The baker is killed, and the cupbearer is brought back into service to Pharaoh. But something else is recorded in the scriptures. It says that the cupbearer forgot Joseph. Forgot him. See, some of you, some of you have given up on a vision because you felt forgotten. Two years, for two years, Joseph sat in that prison and remained faithful to a God that he could have easily said, forgot me. For two years, he refused to press stop on a vision that God had planted in his heart when it was not easy. It was beyond what we would call impossible, and then something happens. Pharaoh has a dream that nobody can interpret. And all of a sudden, they're bringing in everybody trying to interpret the stream. Tell us about the stream. And all of a sudden, nobody can. And then, two years later, the cupbearer remembers Joseph and said, You know what? When I was in prison, I had a dream. You remember the baker, the one you killed? He had a dream too. And there was a guy in prison, his name is Joseph. He interpreted a dream, tells he's going to be killed. I'm going to come back and serve. I was supposed to remember him. It's been two years. I don't even know if he's still there, but he can probably interpret the dream. So they bring Joseph before Pharaoh, who is at this moment probably the most powerful man in the world. And Pharaoh tells him the dream. He says, can you interpret this dream? And Joseph says something that he could not have said if he hadn't went through everything that he went through. He looks at him and says, I cannot do it. I cannot. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. I can't do what you're asking me to do. I've learned that there are limits to my life. There are limits to my strength, my capacity. But what I can tell you is that I serve a God who has the capacity to do what I cannot do. See, Joseph learned the end of his strength. He learned the end of his, his ability to make something. And you know what happens? Pharaoh sees such wisdom in Joseph that he sets him as the number two man in Egypt. There's provision made because of Joseph's leadership in a famine, and because of that, his family comes to seek uh, basically food when they have none, and they end up bowing before Joseph. The vision that God had became fulfilled because Joseph relentlessly pursued God. And if you pay attention, even if it was uncomfortable, God's love was relentlessly pursuing Joseph. 
Joseph could not have stood in front of Pharaoh as a young man and said, I cannot do it. But as a grown man who found all the good in the glitches of his life, he was able to do just that. See, we have a God that loves us relentlessly. Romans 8 describes his love this way. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If God's love refuses to press stop on us, let's never give up on pursuing So I want you to think about this word that we're going to adopt. If you've been around here, we take on a a word or a phrase each year. We wear some bracelets and have some series and talks throughout the year on that word. I want you to think about this word, relentless. Relentless. Think about this. When I was a middle school language arts teacher, I used to love to teach my kids word parts. And so I I want you to see the the parts of this word to to try to understand maybe what God is saying to us today. The first is the prefix re. Re means again, to do it again. A remix is a what? It's mixed again, right? All right, that's what, it just means to do something again. The middle of this word, this is a, a little fun to get into this, lent is a a form of the the verb to lend. It means to give up, to give up. This is why we celebrate the season of Lent. Lent means that Jesus gave up his life. Now, I I just want to stop right here because for many of us, this is what life has looked like, stopping right there. We've gave up again. Oh, you had a vision. You had a calling. You had a purpose. You were chasing after something, but it's the same thing that was on your list last year and the year before and the year before, and all you've done year after year is give up on what God wants for you. But I want you to see this about giving up. I want you to see this today, that when you give up, you always give up something. When you give up, it's too hard. It's too hard. I don't want to. Well, you know what? We were working on trying to get a better relationship. You gave up a better marriage. It's too hard. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to get healthier. Well, you gave up being healthier. When you give up, you give up something. Some of you this year have said, I want to win with money for the first time ever. I want to be more disciplined financially. And when you give up on that, you give up the peace and security that comes with knowing that you're living in God's plan for you. When you give up, you give up something. But I want us to become relentless. Now let's go back through the, look at this. So the word relentless, re, means to do it again. Lent means to give up. But that suffix changes everything. It changes everything. Less means without. What would your life look like if all of a sudden you lived without giving up? 
you refused to give up on the things that God purchased for you. That when Jesus died on the cross and gave up his life as a ransom for many, you included, he purchased for you a life that you could never attain on your own. What would life look like if all of a sudden you said, I refuse to give up on that. I refuse to stop chasing that. I refuse. I'm going to be relentless. I'm going to be relentless. What if you refuse to give up on everything that Jesus has for you? What if? I have a feeling that this year would look so different. So different. So I want to declare this today. Over all of us that are here, as we approach a new year, and we kick off today 21 days of prayer and fasting. In 2020, we are going to be relentless in our pursuit of Jesus. We are going to be relentless in our pursuit of Jesus. We are not giving up. We are not giving in. We are not letting go of his vision. Because when we give up, we give up something. When we give up, we give up something. What is that something for you this year? Maybe that's something right now. It's just simply been, I want to get healthier. Maybe it's, I want to work on my marriage. Maybe, maybe it's bigger than that. Maybe it's this year, I want to get close to God. He feels a million miles away. Maybe it's this year, this is going to be the year that I break an addiction and I find freedom. Maybe this year is going to be the year I finally start living in the purpose that God has for me. Whatever it is for you, this is a year to not give up. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.